Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Elon Musk podcast, where we discuss all things technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of humanity. According to insiders, Tesla has plans to double the D1 chip orders for the coming year. Firstly, let's talk about the Dojo D1 chips and what they are and why they're so important. Tesla's D1 chips are application-specific integrated circuits, or ASICs specifically designed to enhance the capabilities of Tesla's Dojo supercomputer. Now, this machine is expected to play a critical role in the training of Tesla's driver-assisted systems and their self-driving AI models. And the main advantage here is that Tesla can more efficiently analyze extensive video data from its vast vehicle fleet, negating the need for manual human input. This also represents a significant stride toward Tesla's aspirations for full self-driving technology, as well as other initiatives like dedicated robo-taxis and Optimus robots. As Tesla rolls out more AI-dependent projects, the Dojo D1 chip becomes an increasingly central component to the company's technological infrastructure. And the Dojo supercomputer has the potential to advance not only Tesla's automotive applications, but could also be integrated into other autonomous systems in the future. Now, moving on to the business of this, reports suggest that Tesla will be ordering 10,000 units of the Dojo D1 chip from TSMC for the upcoming year. This is not just good news for Tesla, but also positive development for TSMC, which has seen an increase in its high-performance computing or HPC-related orders, partially fueled by Tesla's orders. And the dynamics between Tesla and TSMC are becoming increasingly symbiotic, benefiting both companies and pushing the envelope in supercomputing and AI. Now, firstly, we need to understand the implications of Tesla's shift away from NVIDIA. For years, NVIDIA's powerful GPUs have been the workforce for many companies in the tech industry, Tesla included. NVIDIA's technology has been particularly critical in Tesla's development of machine learning algorithms for autonomous vehicles and the strategic decision to ramp up the production of Dojo D1 chips marks a turning point for Tesla, allowing the company to have more control over its own destiny. And the Dojo D1 chips are not just a piece of hardware. They represent Tesla's determination to control its own intellectual property and their own resources. Now let's talk about the supply chain here. In the global semiconductor market, supply constraints have become a significant concern for tech companies. And the recent chip shortages have demonstrated the vulnerabilities in relying too heavily on third-party vendors. By investing in its own chips, Tesla is essentially laying the foundation for a more resilient and adaptable supply chain. 
This in-house production capability gives Tesla an edge, enabling faster integrations of its technology and potentially leading to a quicker rollout of full self-driving capabilities. Now, on the future projection side, Tesla has ambitious plans for the Dojo supercomputer, which serves as the brain center for their Dojo D1 chips. According to various reports, the next-gen Dojo system is expected to be operational by 2024 with a target achieving 100 exaflops of compute power. This would not only make Dojo one of the most powerful supercomputers on the planet, but also give Tesla the computational capabilities required for sophisticated machine learning algorithms and data analysis. Now, with a more powerful Dojo, Tesla's rate of innovation could accelerate, impacting everything from autonomous vehicles to smarter energy solutions. Now, the financial implications should not be overlooked either. This price tag associated with NVIDIA H100 GPUs was reported to be around $300 million for the setup that Tesla was considering. Now, producing the Dojo D1 chips in-house, despite the initial research and development costs, could end up being a more cost-effective solution for Tesla in the long run. In addition, having a proprietary chipset could become a new revenue stream for Tesla as they could eventually license this technology to other companies in sectors like robotics, healthcare, or even in aerospace. Now, let's not forget that the Dojo supercomputer isn't exclusively for autonomous driving applications. Tesla signals that the Dojo capabilities could be leveraged in other areas like the robotics and different kinds of autonomous systems. Tesla's hardware 4.0 self-driving computer, another collaborative between Tesla and TSMC, has been a significant component in the development of autonomous technology. And with such diverse applications, Dojo's future could very well make it a standard tool in the computational universe, applied in various sectors, requiring immense computational power and machine learning capabilities. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has even disclosed plans to invest over $1 billion in the Dojo project by the end of 2024, underlining its critical role in Tesla's future and potentially the future of AI and robotics. Now, we can't have an Elon Musk podcast episode without touching on a little bit of controversy. Tesla is currently under federal investigation for allegedly misappropriating company funds to build a new mansion for Elon Musk. And while this is indeed a critical issue that could affect Tesla's public image and even stock prices, it's essential to remember that this is still under investigation and nothing has been proven yet. Regardless of these challenges, the momentum behind Tesla's technological advancements like Dojo and the D1 chips doesn't seem to be slowing down. If anything, the accelerated investments indicate an unshakable belief in the company's vision for the future of autonomous systems and AI. SpaceX's Starship rocket and the preparations for its next orbital flight. Now, some of you may already be aware that SpaceX is waiting for the Fish and Wildlife Service, the FWS, to give them the green light for the next launch pad. Now, simultaneously, the company has filed an application with the FCC for communication permissions during the upcoming Starship test flight, expected to commence this coming January, possibly. Now, these bureaucratic steps are routine for SpaceX, but what's really intriguing here are the technological leaps, including several upgrades this next test is slated to showcase. So in today's episode, we'll be talking you through the specifics of the imminent Starship test flight, including major changes to the rocket's design and how these upgrades aim to help this behemoth, the largest and most powerful rocket to date, reach orbit successfully. Now, the stakes couldn't be higher. 
Starship is expected to be the vessel that helps humanity set foot on Mars and return to our nearest neighbor, the moon. Now, first on the list of big modification is something that's an engineering marvel. The concept of hot staging. Traditionally, rockets execute a stage separation by halting the main engines on the booster and before the second stage even fires up. And however, SpaceX plans to keep Starship's engines ignited while it's still essentially attached to the booster, which we refer to as the Super Heavy. Now, a former SpaceX mission director speculates this will give the rocket a payload increase of about 10%. And to facilitate this, SpaceX has integrated vents and heavy-duty heat shields at the top of the Super Heavy booster. This ensures that the flames can escape, preventing the rocket from blowing up mid-flight. The method is a bit riskier since the booster could potentially be damaged, but sometimes risk is synonymous with advancement. Now, let's pivot for a moment to talk about another angle of the upcoming Starship test, the focused nature of the FCC application that SpaceX recently filed. Unlike other filings, this one is narrower in scope, specifically seeking approval for communication channels between the Starship booster and the launch site. The absence of other elements like the full Starship vehicle in the application raises some interesting questions. Could this suggest a series of test runs focusing predominantly on the booster and the paperwork could hint at SpaceX adopting a step-by-step -step approach, perhaps focusing initial tests on the first stage before proceeding to comprehensive trials involving the entire rocket system? This would allow SpaceX to ensure that each component of this complex machine is in top shape before the actual orbital flight takes place. Now, the third major change we're discussing today is the engines. As we all know, the Raptor engine is fundamentally more complex than the Merlin engines that power the Falcon 9. This complexity makes the engine more susceptible to leaks, and therefore SpaceX has taken significant steps to improve the valves and seals on the Raptor engines, enhancing the fire suppression systems to manage any potential accidents and make them more efficient. Now, with 33 Raptor engines powering the first stage booster, we're talking about an incredible level of engineering intricacy. The effort to ensure each of these engines operates optimally is crucial, not just for the success of the mission, but also for the long-term goals that Starship aims to achieve, including the colonization of Mars and renewed lunar missions with the Artemis program with NASA. Let's talk about the visual spectacle the Starship presents. It's not just the world's largest rocket, but also the one with the most engines on a first stage booster. When these 33 engines light up for a flight again, it's a sight to behold, unrivaled by any current or in-development rockets. Additionally, a hot staging ring will be added to the top of the first stage booster, ensuring the stage separation is a success, and this will address the primary failure point of the last test in April. And with these numerous upgrades, we're clearly marching toward a future where space travel isn't just a feat of engineering, but also a mesmerizing spectacle. The second Starship test flight promises not just to correct past mistakes, but to push the envelope on what is possible in rocket design and engineering. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Tesla's latest move to make electric vehicle charging more accessible for everyone. Not just Tesla owners, but owners of all electric cars. Over the last couple of years, Tesla has been slowly opening up its supercharger network to non-Tesla vehicles, especially in Europe. But the real news is what's happening stateside. In North America, Tesla has faced some challenges with compatibility issues, largely due to the unique connector that Tesla uses for charging. And unlike in Europe, where standard connectors are widely in use, Tesla's proprietary connector here became a potential obstacle for non-Tesla EV users. However, last year, Tesla decided to open up its connector to other manufacturers, a move that started a transition in the industry. So let's dig into this. We'll be discussing the significance of Tesla's Magic Dock superchargers, how it's making the supercharger network more inclusive, and the long-term strategy behind all of this. We'll also talk about some of the recent developments around EV charging infrastructure in Britain and how various automakers are looking at tapping into the Tesla supercharger network. Now, earlier this year, Tesla introduced a novel piece of tech called the Magic Dock. This is essentially a new receiver for the Tesla charging connector at supercharger stations. The Magic Dock allows for flexibility. It can disconnect from the charger to act as an adapter between Tesla's connector, known as the NACS and the CSS connector used by other electric vehicles. Now in February, Tesla started the installation of Magic Docks at supercharger stations in New York and California as a pilot project. Though further expansion of these superchargers was halted for some time, likely due to the transition to the NACS standard, Tesla recently resumed this expansion by installing new stations in Texas. Now, Tesla has gone even further. They've extended its Magic Dock superchargers into Utah, Colorado, Michigan, and Washington State. And the expansion is still in the early stages, but it's clear that Tesla is investing in this technology as a bridge until direct integration becomes widespread in 2025. Now, while Tesla has been progressing with its supercharger network in North America, let's not forget about its European endeavors. In Europe, Tesla has already set up hundreds of stations, and the integration with non-Tesla vehicles has been smoother there due to the already standardized connectors. In the UK, charging infrastructure is also growing at a very impressive rate. For instance, uh, Ubertricity, a Shell-owned charging network, recently announced the installation of 1,050 street-side public EV chargers. These charges will be part of the company's innovative lamp post charging project, showing that charging infrastructure is becoming more commonplace and versatile. Now, moving away from Tesla just for a second, let's talk about how other automakers are responding to this trend. Jaguar has become the latest brand to announce its plans to integrate Tesla and ACS into its electric vehicles. They're following in the footsteps of other big names like Ford, GM, Honda, and more. And these companies are not only planning to adopt NACS in future models, but are also considering providing adapters for existing models. While it's still uncertain when exactly these adapters will become available, Given the logistics involved, the commitment by these automakers to adopt the Tesla standard signifies a monumental shift in the industry. And Tesla set the stage, and now the world's 
adapting to them. And the company sold 325,291 vehicles in the United States in the first half of 2023 alone. That's outpacing its next 19 competitors by a ratio of 10 to 1 or more. And as the EV market continues to grow, Tesla remains the dominant force, but other brands are slowly increasing their share as well. And the demand for electric vehicles and charging infrastructure is growing. But so were the challenges. Companies are investing billions into new EV and battery plants. But whether the market can sustain all this new capability remains to be seen. For instance, Ford recently decided to pause work on a $3.5 billion electric vehicle plant in Michigan, raising questions about the pace of EV adoption. And as Tesla gears up to start deliveries of the much-anticipated Cybertruck vehicle, new information about a performance version has come to light. Elon Musk himself took to social media to reveal that he recently drove a performance Cybertruck that is sure to exceed expectation. Now, the Cybertruck's first unveiled in 2019, and it's undergone significant modifications since its prototype days. In a market that has witnessed profound shifts, Tesla has not been shy about tweaking its designs to adapt. Although Tesla initially laid out specs and pricing for the Cybertruck, those could very well change, considering the automaker's penchant for making updates to its vehicles even after they've been unveiled. Now, this leaves us with many questions about the Cybertruck's features release timelines, and most critically, its pricing structure. Now, Cybertruck is no longer just a concept, it's a tangible machine. And the company has produced hundreds of these electric pickups labeled as release candidates or beta builds, but details have been very scarce. While pre-production models have been spotted on the roads, providing the world with its first real look at Tesla's latest creation, these aren't the final versions. Photographs of the truck's bed in particular indicate some interesting design choices that set it apart from traditional pickups. Now, in the midst of this suspense, Elon Musk tweeted that he just drove a, quote, performance Cybertruck, a phrase that naturally triggers a flurry of speculation. Tesla had previously announced a tri-motor version with rather impressive specs, 500 plus miles of range, 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds, and a starting price of $69,900. Now, the revelation of a performance version hints that there could be multiple iterations of the Cybertruck, possibly even a quad motor version with even greater capabilities. Though Elon Musk's tweet was characteristically brief, it opens a new chapter in the Cybertruck saga. If a performance version exists, and Musk found it noteworthy enough to mention, then it's reasonable to assume that this variant could be among the first to roll off the production lines. And the term performance often correlates with higher speeds, better handling, and generally enhanced capabilities, which could position this version as a high-end offering within the Cybertruck lineup. Now, the electric pickup truck market is getting crowded, with entrants like Rivian's R1T and the GMC Hummer EV and Ford's options, and the Cybertruck aims to distinguish itself through its unconventional design and superior bed length, measuring at 6.5 feet, longer than any other electric pickup currently on the market. This offers utility that other electric pickups simply can't match. Additionally, Tesla may include a mid-gate feature similar to the Chevy Silverado EV, according to visitors who attended Tesla's Cyber Rodeo event in April of 2022. Features like these could make the Cybertruck not only a performance powerhouse, but also a highly versatile vehicle. Thus, Tesla's electric pickup is not merely seeking to join the ranks of existing electric vehicles, but aims to redefine the category altogether. 
Now, photos of the Cybertruck taken by a Facebook user reveal a bed floor panel with bolt holes, likely a space for a full-size spare tire and sloped bed sides. These design elements have generated mixed reactions. The sloped sides, for example, could limit the width of loads and potentially stress the bed walls. However, Tesla could turn these limitations into unique features, such as additional storage compartments. And the photographs also show that the tailgate reaches armpit height, indicating that loading could be a challenge. While Tesla has suggested that the rear suspension will dip for easier loading and unloading, the design still raises questions about accessibility. However, Tesla has never been one to shy away from bold design choices. It's likely that the final production version will include innovative solutions to these challenges. Now, with Tesla expected to announce all the details in an upcoming event, the final specs and features of the Cybertruck, including its performance version, are just weeks away from being officially revealed. Given that the company is two years behind its original schedule, anticipation is running really high. Tesla's delivery event will answer lingering questions, confirm rumors, and give prospective buyers a comprehensive look at what the automaker has been laboring on behind closed doors. We'll be discussing an essential milestone that SpaceX recently achieved, securing its first ever contract with the U.S. Space Force for satellite communications via StarShield. The contract was officially confirmed on September 1st, according to Air Force spokesperson Anne Stefanek, and we'll discuss how StarShield operates over the existing Starlink satellites and serves as a secured network exclusively for governmental agencies. The deal has a budget ceiling of $70 million and will support various arms of the U.S. military, like the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. And what makes this even more interesting is that the contract comes on the heels of SpaceX's role in the Ukraine conflict, where it provided internet connectivity to the Ukrainian military. The StarShield contract marks a significant moment for SpaceX as it diversifies its service offerings. And the StarShield network, designed for governmental entities, will operate over the existing infrastructure of the current Starlink satellites. Now, to put it into perspective, SpaceX will provide what's called end-to-end -end service through this contract. And this comprehensive package includes everything from user terminals and ancillary equipment to network management and various other services. And the U.S. Air Force representative confirmed that the contract lasts for one whole year, with the possibility of extensions in the future. And with this contract financial framework, $15 million has already been earmarked for SpaceX to be obligated by the end of September. We have to consider that this is not an isolated instance of SpaceX's involvement with defense. And previously, SpaceX had won other contracts, and the Pentagon has already been categorized as a high-value buyer for SpaceX. And SpaceX has crafted two separate but interlinked satellite communication systems, Starlink for civilians and StarShield for government. And while both operate over the same Starlink satellite network, they serve completely different purposes and completely different clientele. Elon Musk clarified on the platform formerly known as Twitter that StarShield will be under the U.S. government's ownership and controlled by the Department of Defense Space Force. The civilian Starlink network will remain independent and won't participate in combat operations. Now, what this bifurcation allows is a dual-use system where they can serve different sectors without compromising on the quality or security of services provided. Now, this new U.S. contract for the U.S. Space Force certainly isn't SpaceX's first dance with the defense sector. The Pentagon has relied on SpaceX for a number of rocket launches, 
indicating a level of trust and satisfaction with the services that they provide. And the work with the Department of Defense and other military branches by SpaceX showcases the versatility and adaptability of these technologies. And the very nature of these contracts often necessitates strict requirements for reliability, security, and efficiency, aspects where SpaceX has repeatedly proven its mettle. It would be an oversight to discuss the contract without acknowledging SpaceX's role in the ongoing Ukraine conflict. And SpaceX has been providing internet connectivity to Ukraine's military, aiding their fight against invading Russian forces from the beginning. The decision was not without its complications, though. Last year, SpaceX made the choice not to extend Starlink coverage to Russian-occupied Crimea, a move that some say had a significant impact on Ukraine's military operations. And these actions have garnered attention, even from policy officials, highlighting the geopolitical influence that SpaceX and its technologies wield. Now, SpaceX's involvement in global conflicts and now its contract with the U.S. Space Force have led to a more nuanced role for the company and in world affairs. And while Elon Musk doesn't hold any official diplomatic titles, the influence of SpaceX's technologies, particularly in communications, is something that can't be easily dismissed. should be mentioned that earlier in June that the Pentagon had already signed another contract with SpaceX to provide satellite connectivity for Ukraine's military. And as we move forward, it'll be crucial to manage this newfound influence, responsibility, and ensure that the technologies are used for the betterment of society and global stability. Now let's move on to Jeff Bezos's rocket company, completely separate topic, but still in the realm of space. The recent FAA closure of the investigation into Blue Origin, the new Shepard rocket mishap, that took place on September 12th of 2022. Now the unmanned rocket faced a catastrophic engine failure, resulting in the booster being destroyed and the capsule deploying its emergency escape system. And according to the FAA, the issue stemmed from a structural failure of an engine nozzle brought about by higher-than-expected engine operating temperatures. And this problem led to an unintended alteration in the rocket's trajectory about a minute after its liftoff from Blue Origin's West Texas launch site. However, the capsule, which was carrying scientific payloads, executed its emergency escape system and landed safely. The FAA investigation concluded with 21 corrective measures that Blue Origin is mandated to implement, including an engine and nozzle component redesign. Blue Origin, though currently grounded, indicated in the social media statement that flights would resume shortly. Blue Origin, which was founded by Jeff Bezos, had been successfully operating suborbital flights since the summer of 2021. And in that period, New Shepard launched six crewed flights transporting a total of 31 people with some notable passengers, including William Shatner and Michael Strahan. So it's safe to say that the new Shepard program was an integral part of Blue Origin's overall enterprise, constituting a considerable chunk of the revenue and public reputation. Now, the FAA's decision to ground the new Shepard program temporarily has had a palpable effect on Blue Origin's business plans. For a company that had ambitions to send customers on 10 to 12-minute suborbital flights, the hiatus comes as a significant setback, especially with the booming interest in space tourism. And on the other front, Blue Origin recently announced a change in leadership. CEO Bob Smith stepping down to be succeeded by former Amazon executive Dave Limp. Now, this transition is likely to be pivotal as the company looks to steer through the challenges brought on by the recent mishap. 
Blue Origin is not alone in the commercial spaceflight area, though. Their principal competitor, Virgin Galactic, also had to go through a FAA investigation post-Richard Branson's space trip, leading to a two-year pause in their operations. And Virgin Galactic resumed flights with their first paying customers in May of 2023. And it's currently preparing for their Galactic 04 mission. Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin are looking to capture a significant share of the space tourism market with ticket prices ranging from $250,000 initially to around $450,000 currently for Virgin Galactic. With a waiting list of more than 800 people, the demand for such experiences is definitely apparent. Interestingly, both companies have customers who have also shown interest in their competitors. For example, Sharon and Mark Hagel from Winter Park, Florida had flown with Blue Origin in March 2022 and are on the waiting list for Virgin Galactic. Their second trip with Blue Origin is on hold, pending FAA's final nod for New Shepard's return to flight. And while space tourism is a noteworthy segment of Blue Origin's plans, it is far from being their only focus. The company has ambitious projects that include the launch of its New Glenn heavy lift rocket from Cape Canaveral, Florida, a lunar lander for NASA's Artemis missions, and a commercial space station named Orbital Reef. And for Blue Origin, the FAA's decision to close the investigation may mark a turning point. The company is required to adhere strictly to 21 corrective measures outlined by the FAA, some of which may necessitate significant engineering efforts. The timely implementation of these measures is critical, especially with these ambitious projects waiting in the wings. And the FAA's final report, though not publicly available due to proprietary and U.S. export control reasons, states that public safety was not compromised during the mishap. The FAA also clarified that the investigation's closer does not indicate an immediate resumption of the new Shepard launches. Blue Origin needs to implement all corrective actions that impact public safety and receive a license modification from the FAA prior to their next launch. Regulations are an essential aspect of any burgeoning industry, and the commercial space sector is no exception. What transpired with Blue Origin can serve as an instructive episode for other companies in the industry underscoring the significance of safety measures and regulatory compliance. We're covering a story that's been gaining a lot of attention. Linda Yaccarino, the new CEO of X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, is gearing up to meet with seven banks that finance Elon Musk's acquisition of the company. Now, Yaccarino, who took to the CEO seat in June, plans to discuss her strategy for reviving the platform's financial health with executives from Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Barclays, MUFG, BNP, and Mizuho and Societe Generale on October 5th. Now, this meeting is crucial to Yaccarino. She aims to instill confidence in X's bankers that she can breathe new life into the social media platform, which was faced with declining revenues and a myriad of other challenges. The bankers, who hold about $13 billion in debt related to the acquisition, are eager to hear how Yaccarino plans to attract advertisers back to the platform and possibly diversify into subscriptions and payments in the future. Just a few days ago, Yaccarino faced some tough questions at the Code Conference, particularly about user metrics and the platform's business model. Her performance at the conference left some people skeptical about the direction of which X is headed. The new CEO has also been questioned about her relationship with Elon Musk, and how his influence might impact the platform, especially in the context of attracting advertisers. Now, Yaccarino did mention that the company is close to breaking even from an operational cash flow standpoint and expects to turn a profit by early of 2024. 
the statement alongside the revelation that X currently has 245 million daily active users provided some level of assurance, but questions still lingered. Now, among the banks, this is apprehensive. They have been shouldering the $13 billion debt tied to X's acquisition for almost a year now. They also had to reject offers to buy some of the senior debt at a significant discount, opting instead to hold on to it in hopes that the company's fortunes would improve. And a significant issue Yaccarino faces is the decline in the platform's advertising revenue, which dropped 60% since the takeover. And some of this decline is rooted in broader economic worries, but a chunk can also be attributed to Musk's less traditional approach to running the platform, including relaxing moderation policies. Although Musk himself acknowledged the drop in revenues, he noted that the platform was still covering its initial costs of around $1.5 billion a year. Even before the takeover, Twitter, now X, was facing difficulties in maintaining advertising uh, revenues. And big-name companies had started pulling out their advertising budgets, partly due to fears of an impending recession, but also because of concerns about Musk's handling of the platform. Despite these setbacks, Yaccarino has pointed out some positive trends. In a recent interview, she revealed that 90% of the platform's top 100 global spenders have resumed advertising on X. However, the exact amounts they're spending remain undisclosed. One of the most intriguing dynamics is the relationship between Yaccarino and Elon Musk. During interviews, Yaccarino was asked whether Musk consults with her on major decisions like potentially moving the platform to a subscription model. While she didn't give a straightforward answer, she emphasized her broader role in running the company. Yaccarino has a background in advertising and was formerly the head of advertising sales at NBC Universal. Her expertise in this area could be vital in drawing advertisers back to the platform, but her vision appears to extend beyond just advertising revenue. She's also made it clear that she's not just there to head the advertising department, but to helm the entire organization. And in this complex interplay, Musk continues to have a strong influence, especially on the product side of things. This isn't necessarily seen as a drawback, given Musk's known proficiency in technological innovation. Now, as Linda Yaccarino prepares for this critical meeting, she's juggling several balls at once. Not only is she dealing with operational challenges, but she's also navigating the waters of public opinion and grappling with the responsibility of reassuring nervous bankers. And at the same time, she's working closely with one of the most prominent and unpredictable tech entrepreneurs of our time, Elon Musk. There are also other matters to attend to such as allegations of inadequate actions against hate speech and disinformation. Yaccarino has defended X's new direction, emphasizing its commitment to free expression, but the jury is still out on how this will play out in the long run. All eyes are on the upcoming meeting, which has the potential to define the future of X and by extension impact the fortunes of the seven banks involved and possibly reshape the social media ecosystem. Now let's shift our focus to a topic that's been picking up steam in the recent years namely the role of commercial satellites in military operations and the implications for national security. Just last week, General Chance Saltzman, who is a high-ranked official in the U.S. Space Force, spoke at a conference in Hawaii. His remarks have added a new layer to the ongoing conversations about the responsibility of the military in safeguarding commercial assets in space like Starlink. Now, the focal point here is the increased dependence of the U.S. military on commercial networks for tasks like communication and surveillance. And General Saltzman's comments not only reiterated the rising threats from nations like China and Russia, but also explicitly addressed the role of the military in defending commercial satellites. 
To give a concrete example, the hypothetical situation was posed about how the U.S. military would act if Russia targeted SpaceX's Starlink broadband network, a commercial satellite system that's been used for internet connectivity by Ukraine in its conflict with Russia. Now, the situation surrounding the military's role in protecting commercial assets in space is both complex and nuanced. While General Saltzman did not directly respond to the hypothetical situation concerning an attack on SpaceX's Starlink network, he did make it clear that the U.S. military sees a role for itself in safeguarding commercial activities in space. His argument extends a well-established philosophy of U.S. policy to protect vital assets. Saltzman compared space to sea lanes and civilian airliner traffic, highlighting that the same protective principles could apply in the extraterrestrial domain. And to implement this kind of defense, operations would likely be channeled through the U.S. Space Command, an entity district from the Space Force. Now, Space Command's purpose is to provide combatant commands with the resources and technology required for the missions. It's led by the U.S. Army General James Dickinson, who, interestingly, did not give a clear-cut answer to a similar query regarding the defense of commercial satellites. According to Saltzman, the responsibility of deciding which commercial assets to protect ultimately falls under the purview of Space Command and higher-level civilian leadership. He spoke of the need for setting priorities, suggesting that there could be limitations on the extent to which the military can protect commercial satellites. Such limitations would likely be determined by capacity, strategy, and the value of the assets involved. Last October, Russia weighed in on the subject. A deputy director in Russia's foreign ministry flagged the use of Western commercial satellites by Ukraine as a highly risky trend. And while he did not name specific satellites, the implication was that he was talking about SpaceX's Starlink. Now, this points to an international aspect of commercial satellites becoming potentially military targets. Similarly, Tara Brown, an official in the Royal Air Force and a professor at the U.S. Naval War College who specializes in space law, concluded that civilian satellites used for wartime objectives could essentially be considered military targets. The international community seems to be inching toward a consensus that these commercial assets, once used for military purposes, enter a new category of vulnerability. As we venture further into this era of increasing interdependence between commercial and military operations in space, the points made by General Saltzman bring essential questions into focus. What are the limits of military involvement in protecting commercial assets in space? And who gets to decide these limits? And how will international laws adapt to these new challenges? The dialogue surrounding the defense of commercial satellites is still evolving, but it is undoubtedly a matter of critical importance that will continue to gain attention from both military and civilian leadership. This topic brings into relief the necessity for an integrated and well-thought-out approach to safeguarding what might become some of the most valued assets of the 21st century. I want to say thank you for listening to the show today. If you found this discussion to be of interest, don't forget to hit the subscribe or the follow button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now. It's free and only takes a moment of your time, and it helps out this show tremendously. Thank you so much for doing that. Also, please take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you in the next one.